Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peace. Here on a Minor Detail Podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everybody. Hey, it's Ryan from A Minor Detail Podcast. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Tonight, we'll have a special episode, and I'm going to bring on my guest. His name's Carl Jackson. He's going to submit, officially submit, and, and he announced yesterday that he is angling to fill the vacancy for a state delegate seat in Legislative District 8, which, of course, was announced earlier this week by Delegate Eric Bromwell that he's going to be joining Johnny Oshevsky's Baltimore County administration. Hey, Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. How are you? I'm, I'm well, my friend. This is the first time you and I have had a discussion, and then when I saw that you are, hey, you're going to run, you're going to do this, you're going to submit your name, I wanted to reach out and just give you the opportunity to come on and state your case, and we can have a conversation about what you hope to accomplish if you are appointed by the Baltimore County Democratic Central Committee to fill this legislative vacancy. And then I want to talk a little bit about your background and where you live, some about your community, and then just the basic process. So um, let's just jump right into it, Carl. Tell me about yourself. For anybody who is listening, anybody who doesn't isn't necessarily familiar with Baltimore County politics, and they may they may have never heard the name Carl Jackson. Tell me who you are and a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So I was uh, born in Baltimore City. Um, I lived there until um, high school. I went to live with my grandmom, who was disabled, and uh, the agreement was that I would help her, uh, you know, with her disability, and I would go to school um, at the same time, and so that's what I did. Uh, I went to Overly High School um, and was a part of what they had a program called the Academy of Finance, and so basically it was just taking a lot of business courses, you know, having dress for success and job shadowing local businesses and things like that, and through that, I really uh, gravitated towards business. Um, I got my bachelor's and master's degree um, at Strayer University. Um, I had a, a young family, and so, uh, you know, I had to work full-time and go to school full-time, and uh, I did that. Uh, I worked for on the University of Maryland Baltimore campus since 2003. Um, I'm still there. I currently uh, work for the School of Social Work uh, mm -hmm. as an administrative analyst, and uh, so I do payroll for our uh, entire school and contracts for our adjunct faculty. And um, 
And so, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's a little bit of background on myself. Wow. So <clears throat> here we are. Delegate Eric Bromwell, who has been in elected office for what I believe this is 16, 16 years. It's been a while. Uh, like 17, I believe. Wow. 17. Okay. So he's been <laughs> – and he's a young guy. I, he's what, 46? Yeah. Okay. I believe I'm 42, 30. I believe. Okay. How old are you, Carl? I'm 34. I turned 35 man. October 27th. Young man like myself. I'm 33. I'll be I'll be 34. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm 30. I'll be 30. I'll be 34 in November. Um let's see. Class of 2003. Yeah, of in high school. Oh, are you Scorpio? I'm a my my friend. I am a Scorpio, and I and my wife tells me that I am the living and breathing embodiment of a textbook Scorpio, and I think that I don't know if that's an insult or if if that's a if that's a good thing. I can never tell. It just depends yeah, on the tone of voice. I'm gonna stay away from that. <laughs> that's all right, my friend. So so here we are today. You are you're gonna you're gonna submit your name to the Baltimore County Central Committee. Now, I yes. want to note that Delegate Bromwell has not officially resigned as of yet from the Maryland House of Delegates. He has to officially submit his resignation, I believe, to the Speaker's office, announcing his resignation. And that's supposed to happen sometime in September, I believe. I don't know if you have yeah, any uh, further information. Yep. Yes, uh, that's supposed to take place effective Oh, the resignation will be effective September 6th. September 6th. Of, mm-hmm. which, of then the Central Committee, the Baltimore County Central Committee, will have 30 days to execute a process to fill his legislative vacancy, in turn submitting a name from the list or from whomever they decide to interview – and to the governor, and then the governor has the decision. And and usually, in most circumstances, the governor will pick the name that the uh, the, the Democrat, or if it's a Republican nomination, uh, from the Republican Central Committee. Right. So, right. For my oh, so yeah. Go for ahead. My understanding. For my understanding, after the resignation comes, um, there has to be a period where the Baltimore County Central Democratic Central Committee has to uh, post a position, I believe, in a newspaper or a social media, or, you know, some kind of media outlet, and then they give two weeks. Um, well, that has to take place for two weeks, and then I think two weeks after that is uh, designated for receiving any applications. Um, for those who uh, would like to fill the seat. Um, And from my understanding, um, anyone who lives in the district um, who feels like they're qualified um, has the opportunity to uh, apply. And um, so after that, then it gets a little foggy for me. I'm not sure what, what actually takes place after that. Okay. Carl, Tell me a little bit about District 8. 
tell me a little bit about its demographics, um, if you have any information on the median in, income household rate, um, economics of the district. Um, I'm, I'm just interested to learn a little bit more about this district. It's a three-member district that you could be representing. Tell me about your people. Yeah, so so District 8, it, it, it stretches from Rosedale up to Prairie Hall and from Rosedale over to uh, Lock Raven Boulevard. So you have the Hillendale community, uh, the Lock uh, Raven Village community. Um, it's, it's an increasingly uh, becoming diverse uh, district. Um, uh, I know at least in, in the area that I live, kind of the Rosedale area, the median income is around about 65K. Um, but we do, we have a lot of small businesses on the Bel Air Road corridor and the Hawford Road corridor. Um, and of course we have, uh, we have the Prairie Hall area, which is increasingly, um, you know, becoming a very popular destination for uh, young families and, uh, you know, to move in. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a increasingly growing district. It's, like I said, it's becoming very diverse. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to representing uh, everyone in, in this district. Carl, in your district, it would be a three-member district. Tell me about the other, the your potential other seatmates. Now, of course, we discussed Delegate Eric Bromwell, who is the current right. vice chair of the all-powerful Economic Matters Committee that is chaired by <laughs> Derek Davis. And then tell me yes. about the two other it, and this is a split district. The, it has two Republicans and one Democrat. Tell me about those folks. Well, it actually has uh, two – I'm sorry, three Democrats and one Republican representing. Okay. So, so you have the you know, state senator. Uh, you have Eric Bromwell and then Harry Bundari. Right, and so, right. Um, so yeah, so if I'm if I'm fortunate uh, to be uh, chosen by the Baltimore County Democratic Central Committee, then my colleague, my other colleagues would be uh, Harry Bandari, who I ran with in the 2018 election, and then Joseph Boatler, who's a Republican, um, but a great friend of mine. And uh, although we disagree. Um, on on most things we do agree on some things and i look i look forward uh to to working with both uh if i'm fortunate to be the next delegate uh, in district eight yes it is a it is a split district and that you know having in the the actual house district eight and then with kathy oh. klausmeyer being the state senator how would you right. describe the political dynamics of district eight where I live in Montgomery County, I live in District 17 and in Gaithersburg. I would consider my mm -hmm. district to be a a moderate to progressive leaning district. What are the political dynamics of District 8? Is it a conservative district, a moderate district, a progressive? Sure. How do you describe that? So I, I I think when it comes to pocketbook pocketbook issues, um, you know taxes and and things like that, it you know, my district is, is conservative when it comes to those things. Uh, they want to make sure that um, the money that they're paying in taxes is being spent uh, fairly, and, you know, they like to keep taxes low. 
Um, when it comes to things like the environment, um, you know, I would say the the district is pretty progressive when it comes to things, you know, involving the environment and things like that. So um, that's how I would describe the dynamics of uh, District 8. Are you there? Hello? 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 Sorry about that, folks. Had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, there was a storm going on, so I'm going to have Carl call back in. Sometimes these things happen. It's live, but the good news is, is that in the podcast por- portion, I can edit this out, and you don't. You could just skip right over it. So Carl is very gracious. He's going to call back in at six four six seven one six five nine seven one. Again, my apologies for this brief interruption in our podcast. That's I like to do it live. Uh, and I like to also do it in person, which eliminates having these problems. So when Carl calls back in, uh, we'll patch him right through. And we were having an excellent interview. Unfortunately, we're having a, a storm right now. <laughs> and it kicked him off. And, you know, Carl Jackson, he's running for District 8. And he is submitting his name to the Central Committee. So he is going to call back in at any moment. Six four six seven one six five nine seven one. I'm gonna patch him in, um, and uh, we'll see how it goes. These things happen. That's what happens. Live internet radio. Live internet radio is going to be the bane of my existence, and unfortunately, these things happen, which is a pain. 
So Carl Jackson is now back on the line. Carl, I'm so sorry. These things oh. happen during the, during the middle of a thunderstorm. <laughs> I know. I heard this big lightning strike, and then everything went silent. <laughs> yep. That's what happens. Uh, my apologies. Let's just pick right back up where we left off. So you were talking a little bit about your district. Now, I want to talk about the process, Carl, and you submit your name. You pick yeah. up an, an opportunity to interview. Tell me about the, the, tell me about the committee, the Baltimore County Central Committee itself. What is it that you have so, to satisfy? Um, well, I assume they would want to know uh, why do I think I would be the next, uh, you know, the best candidate to fill the delegate seat. Um, but outside of that, I have no idea what, what, what questions will be asked. I, I do believe we'll have to submit some doc, some documents and an application. And I guess they'll take all of that into consideration. Okay. So, and then once you go before them, I presuming you'll have an interview, that's, that's where you will get to make your case that you are the best candidate for this seat. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's go into uh, a little bit about the politics of this seat. Now, are, as of current, are you the only candidate who is submitting their application? Uh, no, no. There is another candidate uh, that, uh, that uh, announced that she would be applying for the seat. And, you know, I'm sure once the um, process is advertised and opened up, uh, more would um, apply as well. Okay. And have you received any backing or support from any of the delegation members or other yeah. elected officials? And have you, have you gotten, I guess, confirmations that they would support you in this endeavor? Yes, well, I, I'm proud um, to say that I have the support of our state senator, uh, Senator Kathy Klausmeyer, uh, Delegate Eric Bromwell, uh, and Harry Bendard as well. Um, I'm also um, excited uh, to say that our county executive, Johnny Olszewski, uh, is supporting me as well. So the outgoing state oh, delegate I, – I forgot. I forgot one more. Uh, my county county councilwoman, uh, county councilwoman Kathy Bevins, uh, is supporting me as well. That's quite a list of Baltimore County elected officials, and that's the top brass of Baltimore County, namely the outgoing state delegate Eric Eric Bromwell. He is supporting your bid to replace him in the House of Delegates. Yes. I think that's a I think that's a big deal. So well, did you reach out and did you? Did he offer the endorsement? How did that process go? Yeah, well, um, you know, he, he, you know, we we ran together in the 2018 election. You know, Eric, know how hard I worked, how many doors I knocked on, you know, uh, and that's and that's with having a full time job. You know, I worked really hard. I mean, we, collectively, we knocked on over twenty thousand doors, you wow. know, and um, and so he knew that for me, this was more then about fame or fortune you know of course it wouldn't be for fortune um, <laughs> but he knew that it came from the heart 
you know, um, you know, part of the reason I decided to run is to be the change that I wanted to see, you know, in my district. You know, there's a lot of communities in my district um, that feel left behind, that feel like they don't have a voice. Um, and I want to, you know, uh, be the the delegate, if, if I'm fortunate to be the delegate, to make sure that I'm a voice for them as well. Right. You know, um, and he and he saw that, you know, and, um, you know, when when, you know, I found out that he would uh, be resigning for, you know, from his position, you know, I, I asked the question, you know, uh, will you support me uh, to be the next state delegate? And he said, of course. He said, of course. And, and and I'm and I'm just so honored. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, his support, you know. We worked hard. I mean, nobody knows how hard we worked more than Delegate Art Bromwell, Senator Kathy Klausmeyer, and Harry Bendari. I mean, we really worked hard. I mean, for the first time in District 8 history, we had the most diverse ticket. Um, you know, we had a woman, we had a white male, we had an African-American male, and we had a Nepali-American who happened to be the first elected Nepali American in the United States. And so I was very proud. It was Eric Brownwell that put this ticket together. And, uh, you know, he showed great courage and, and, and great leadership and, and having faith that um, our district state uh, delegation should represent the diversity of our district. And so I, 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 you know, I appreciate him greatly and I'll never forget, you know, uh, that he that he did that. Huh. Okay. And you know, Delegate Bromwell has earned the reputation for being somewhat of a moderate, right? He's that's mm-hmm. I think that's a fair representation of who he is politically. Now he's not here to to talk about that, but uh, how would you, Carl? How would you classify yourself politically? Are you? Somewhere in the middle, are you progressive leaning? People always want to know, especially in a in a democratic race like this, you're being filled by a seat that's being filled by a democratic central committee. People want to right. gauge where you are on the political spectrum. So where where do you stand, Carl? I guess if I had to pick a, a spectrum, I would say uh, I'm a moderate as well. Yeah, you know, I just you know I just believe in. Um, you know, listening to both sides and and believing that you know Democrats doesn't have all the answers, Republicans doesn't have all the answers. It's always the, the most successful bills are always the ones where there's compromise, where Democrats and Republicans come together to solve problems. You know, and um, and so I, I would say I'm I'm a moderate as well. Okay. And that's it. And, you know, moderates in any party, whether it be Republicans or Democrats, sometimes that can be a a lonely road for for people who can can be considered in the middle, who who might be fiscally moderate, but more socially progressive. But look, you know, when you're a guy who knows and has worked inside of business and your role at the university, you understand how. Budgets work. You understand what finance means. You you get how money needs to be allocated and funded. So, right. 
that leads me to another question that I have for you, Carl. So if you're if you are selected by the Baltimore County Central Democratic Central Committee, appointed to appointed by the governor, you get the seat, you go in to the to session. What committees might interest you? What what committees might you want well, to serve on in the be, house? Well, because because of the dynamic of my district, you know, like we have a lot of small businesses. So I would love to actually replace uh, Delegate Eric Bromwell on the Economic Matters Committee. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I would like to do um, is meet with, you know, if I'm fortunate to be the next state delegate, is to meet with, we have two business associations in our district. We have the Overly Fullerton Rosedale Business Association and the Prairie Hall White Marsh Business Association. I would like to bring those two associations associations together and say, well, let's figure out, what, you know, how we can make businesses, small businesses grow and thrive in, in, in this economy. And, and I think being on the uh, Economic Matters Committee could help me to bring forth any recommendations that would come out of uh, these two business associations in my district. So I think that would be a great um you know, a great committee uh, to be on, especially being a representative from Legislative District 8. Economic Matters Committee is a huge committee inside of the House. A lot of major, major issues come before that committee and are heard. On your Facebook page, Carl, your personal Facebook page, that is, mm-hmm. you listed four separate bullet, po- bullet points that you talked about during the 2018 election. And if I want to remind anyone who is tuning in now, I am talking with Carl Jackson, who has submitted his name, will submit his name rather, to fill the vacancy for the state delegate position in Legislative District 8. And Carl, in 2018, you came up a little bit short in that race. And one of the reasons why I think is that one of the a former state delegate, um, Joe Butler, he he had run mm-hmm. again, and it you you only missed it by what eight hundred votes, seven hundred votes, five hundred and seventy votes. Wow, five hundred and seventy votes. And that's as a first time candidate who had zero name recognition, who had zero dollars, and um, you know I worked I worked hard. You know, I worked hard, and and I'm proud of the campaign I ran. And although I came up short, I ran the campaign that I can be proud of. And, look, over 20,000 people voted for me. And, um, you know, so you can't be mad at that. That's that's impressive, and that speaks to your, your grassroots. Look, Shoe Leather Express going out, knocking those doors, Having those That's independent right. meet and greets, talking to I, uh, <laughs> I, I went through two pair of shoes, knocking on doors. Definitely. That's good, man. Um, yeah, two <laughs> pair of shoes, and uh, I'm telling you. Um, but one thing that I found on knocking on the doors, you know, uh, our District Eight uh, residents were so gracious. I, I thanked them for those those hot days when they offered me a cold bottle of water or invited me in their home to, to talk with them. And um, it's just been a, a great, great experience, um, a one that I will never forget and hope to be able to do again. Well, should you get the appointment, you certainly will have another opportunity in three years. 
you listed on your Facebook page four separate bullet points. I'm going to read those, and this is what you are focusing on. This is how you centered – this is what you centered your campaign on. First is right. investing in public safety programs that deters crime and keeps guns out of the hands of criminals. The second yes. is strengthening local schools by investing in career-focused technical education, prioritizing school construction projects, and funding school safety. The third, as you mentioned earlier in this show, that you would work with local businesses to cultivate an environment that helps small businesses grow and put an end to special tax loopholes that give big corporations an unfair advantage. And fourth, you want to fight against the opioid, opioid epidemic by building crisis centers across the state, increasing treatment options, and making Narcan more accessible. Let's start with the first sure. one, Carl, and public safety. That is the that is the basis of all communities, even at the municipal level. Public safety, right. making sure that your police and firemen are taken care of, that your EMS, right. that they have adequate funding. So you want to make sure that you can deter crime and keep guns out of the hands of criminals. The gun issue is a big one. That is a huge issue. Yeah. And again, it came before the General Assembly in the 2019 Annapolis session. Let's talk about public safety. What's your platform on that, Carl? And what would you, um, as a state delegate, what, where would be your policies that you would champion? Well, you know, one of the things that I talk about and that I talked about in the um, election is getting the community involvement. You know, um, you know, I supported uh, citizens on patrol programs um, in communities, uh, neighborhood watch programs in communities. I think it has to be a joint effort, not only between our first responders, but also in the community to make sure that our communities are safe and that uh, people are able to raise their families without fear of, of, of crime and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I really believe in, you know, bringing the communities and our first responders together um, to come up with a plan where we all can work together, um, you know, to make sure that we have safe communities. Um, I was proud to be a part of the, or to be appointed to uh, County Executive Johnny Olszewski's uh, transition work group. I was co-chair of this public safety work group, and we came up with a list of recommendations, um, you know, to help with public safety in the county. Uh, we we talked about building community trust. We talking about we talked about sexual assault, uh, focusing on youth. Uh, we talked about elder abuse uh, that that goes on with our uh, our elderly uh, residents. Uh, we talked about tackling drugs and opioids and and a whole host of issues um, that could make our, our county a, a better uh, Baltimore County and, and a safer Baltimore County. And so um, if I'm fortunate to be the next state delegate, I will uh, continue, I will follow those recommendations um, that I uh, help to put forth and look forward to working with the county executive um, in that regard. A few weeks ago, President Trump mentioned Congressman Elijah Cummings in a series of tweets in which the president 
bashed the congressman and had criticized him on his district after a, I guess it was a Baltimore County Republican went out and did some video of the city. And mm-hmm. Carl, I'd like to get your reaction to that. Look, we all, Baltimore City is our our biggest city in Maryland. And right. what, what what did you think when the president attacked Baltimore City as he did, and especially Elijah Cummings, who's been representing the district, uh, District 7 for uh, what, 20 years or so? Well, it, it was hurtful. It was very hurtful um, to hear our president, um, you know, talk about our, you know, talk about Congressman Elijah Cummings like that, talk about our city like that. You know, Baltimore had its challenges, but I believe in Baltimore. And I believe that if we invest in Baltimore, um, you know, and, and, and help Baltimore, um, we can, you know, Baltimore can become a better and safer city. Um, you know, but I, I, I was really, I was really hurt by that. And, uh, you know, we, we don't need that kind of um, language coming from the president. Uh, you know, I'm sure we have, he has more important things to, to focus on, you know, than that. And, you know, um, you know, but I support Congressman Elijah Cummings. I mean, he's done a great job. He's continuing to do a great job. And, um, you know, I, I'm confident that Baltimore you know, Baltimore is a great city, and it has its challenges, but we'll get through them. We'll get through them together. And and being from Baltimore County, we have to work together. You know, one of the one of the things from my um, from the uh, uh, public safety work group that I co-chair, one of the recommendations was taking a regional approach. You know, um, exploring collaborative efforts to maximize impact and reduce duplication efforts, you know, in terms of joint training, um, developing real-time information sharing mechanisms between the police, the Baltimore County police, the Baltimore City police, and, and, you know, and other surrounding jurisdictions. I mean, we all have to to, uh, do our part and to, uh, you know, to making sure that Baltimore remains the, you know, the greatest city um, in the country. And that it will remain if we all step up and have these tough conversations about what plagues Maryland's biggest city, including crime and poverty, and have transparent discussions. And Baltimore, for the last five or six years, has been through the ringer. And look, District 8 is not yeah. far away from Baltimore City. No, no. We're, we're right on the Baltimore City line. We border... Uh, district legislative district 45 you know one of the things that uh, I would like to see happen if I'm fortunate and and I would like to kind of be the lead on this is to you know I'm glad that the the county executive and you know the city mayor you know will be collaborating on a lot of issues I would like to see our legislative um, representatives do the same you know and um, I believe that there's opportunity there so not just at the executive level, but also on the legislative level uh, as well. Um, I would like to see us, you know, ha- see how we can help each other. Well, fair enough. And I think that the state, um, all state lawmakers, especially during next session, will continue to ask those 
big question, those tough questions and have sessions about what it is that we can do to prevent violence and yeah. to, to, to strike down against this culture that somehow Baltimore is eroding. And as you said, it has its challenges. And I, 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 stand, with, I stand with you and I stand with others that, 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 that say that Baltimore is not lost and it's not going no, to be lost. No, not at all. It, so it, it will it will not and and with, I think I think it has much promise. I think there's a lot of promise there, and I think it's going to take a collective group of leadership to to continue pushing the dis uh, pushing the city in a forward thinking uh, per, to make progress. So I want to talk about schools. Uh, you talked about yeah. strengthening local schools and. Of course, the big news that came out of last weekend was when the governor made a speech in Ocean City about Kerwin, and he talked about funding the schools. And, of course, the Kerwin recommendations came out earlier this year that recommended nearly $3.8 billion in overhauling Maryland's school systems. So what is your take on Kerwin's recommendations and – can Maryland find that funding? The governor said in his speech that he's not willing to raise taxes. He's not willing to go there. And what are your thoughts, Carl? Well, I think we cannot, you know, um, we cannot short our education system any longer. You know, every election cycle, uh, probably since before I was born, you know, we talk about how we support education. We talk how, about how we support our kids and our students, but yet we have schools that's, that's failing. You know, we have uh, drinking water. You know, some schools, the kids can't even drink out of the water fountains. Um, you know, I was, I was on the staff senate uh, at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, and we got requests for toilet tissue from a public school. You know, and and I was just shocked to hear that, you know, and so, you know, we have to invest in our education. We have to invest in these schools that our kids are learning in. We have to make sure they're safe, they have clean drinking water, that they're protected. Um, And so, you know, I I think the time is now to, to, you know, to stop talking about it and to show action. You know, right here in in District 8, uh, we have Prairie Hall Middle School that um, is overcrowded. We have kids learning in trailers, you know, and that's just totally unacceptable. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward, if I'm fortunate to be the next uh, state delegate, to voting for uh, the first bill that the speaker said would be the first bill, the next legislative session to increase the school funding. You know, Baltimore County would get around $100 million a year for the next four years out of that. And, you know, and so we have high schools in Baltimore County like Towson, Delaney and Lansdowne that need new that needs new buildings. But we also in Perry Hall, we need a new middle school, you know, and, you know, and I'm committed to fighting to make sure we get a new Perry Hall middle school. And, you know, I I read an article that said the speaker um, wanted, uh, you know, the legislature to look at uh, tax credits, you know, to see if tax credit could be modified or rescinded as, as a way to, um, you know, have extra funding. And, um, I, you know, I would go as far as to say we need to look at mandated spending too. Now we need to look at some of those mandated spending, 
you know, um, but we, we can't, we can't, you know, continue to talk about how we value our teachers, we value our kids' education, and, and we have them in schools that's overcrowded or that's crumbling. And like in Lansdowne's case, it's literally sinking into the ground. You know, um, it's, it's just unacceptable. Um, you know, last year, it says 94% of Maryland educators pay for school supplies out of their pocket, and 50% of them had a second job. I mean, that's just totally unacceptable. You know, I mean, the time is now um, to fully fund our education system, and, um, and and I support that. I support that effort. So, of course, when the governor um, when he talked about the uh, the Kerwin recommendations, um, he was he was talking about the cost of it. Are you yeah. concerned at all about the three point eight billion dollar figure? What are your thoughts on that? I, it's it's a lot of money. Well, and, I, yeah, it is, it is, and and you know, I, you know, I agree with the governor that you know we we shouldn't raise taxes, and and that's why I'm glad that you know the speaker of the house is looking for other ways to to fund, uh, to, to you know to fund you know school construction, and you know I I, I can't support tax increases. You know, a lot of people in my district are struggling. I mean, everything is going up, but their salary, you know, and so we got to find other ways um, and other money to fund, to fund um, the school construction. Dollars. Right. And, you know, being that it was the Maryland Association of Counties, the big concern that came out of MAKO among county officials, and I'm sure you can relate having talked to Maybe your own county councilman, councilwoman Kathy Bevins or Johnny Oshevsky, who was down in an ocean city and making the rounds, is that it's it's going to straddle the counties, and the counties will be it'll be incumbent upon them to come up with that extra that extra money. So how do you raise money? Either do you cut expenses, or do we make room in the budget, or do you raise taxes? And we're already seeing that ha- happen in Baltimore County. And look, earlier in the show, you mentioned Delaney High School. That was a big issue, Carl, this lacking the air conditioning. I mean, really, schools in Maryland should never go without air conditioning in the hot summer well, heat. Well, let me tell you this. I went to Overly High School. I'm class of 2002, and let me tell you. Uh, we had no AC <laughs> whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember all too well what it was like trying to learn in a hot classroom. You know, thanks to the the hard work of our district delegation, um, Senator Klausmeyer, Delegate Art Bromwell, um, you know, and, and County Councilwoman Kathy Bevins, you know, Overly High School now has uh, AC, but you know, I could re- I could remember how it felt when you tried to sit in a hot classroom and learn. It's just impossible to do. Um, yeah, ain't that the truth? You know, and, and and so you know we gotta we gotta solve this issue. We we gotta find those dollars without raising taxes. Um, and like I said, like looking at mandated spending might be an option as well. <sighs> it's. It's a lot. Look, the budget every year during session is the big the big ticket item that is is discussed. It's labored over. The governor presents the budget. 
the, the legislature, they dice it up. And look, that's how it goes. And I don't know what it's going to be like next year. But I will say that Governor Hogan did promise an additional, um, I think, $2 billion in spending for for school construction. And look, many of our schools, as you know, in here in Montgomery County, and I'm sure in Baltimore County, they are desperately needing an overhaul in, That's in right. construction. So uh, it'll be fascinating to find next session how they approach school funding. And, and I, I think the legislature is ready to move ahead with, um, with, with, with funding with Kerwin. And look, it's a brilliant mm-hmm. commission. There was news today that uh, they, they had met again, and it's, it's – look, the number one priority, as we know, of state government is ensuring that Maryland has world-class schools, and I don't think anybody can disagree with that. That's right. I mean we have I, I, to. You know, our kids are our future. Yes. Um, it reminds me of that song, if you ever saw the movie Coming to America, when they were all up I on did. stage. <laughs> and they're making movie. a second. I, it's – Carl, it's one of my all-time favorite movies, and they're up on the stage, and they're back at – I think it's like a high school, and Randy Watson comes out, and he sings that song. <laughs> it, I, just, I just love that movie. When you said that, yeah. it just made me think about that. <laughs> it's a great movie. I was just watching it the other day. Every time I see that, I laugh. It's so good. I can't wait for, I can't wait for the remake of it or for the second. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so – Last session was kind of interesting. They look, um, it's no secret, and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. During the primary, uh, Comptroller Peter Francho, he had backed you and he had supported yes. your bid. And you know that during this last session, the Comptroller has come into contention with some members of the legislature, and they went so far as even stripping his regulatory powers. And uh, he's been a big champion of craft beer. And we all know that, look, craft beer is an industry in Maryland that if we loosen some of the regulations, it it would be interesting to see how much economic output that that could produce for the state of Maryland. There's so many – craft beer has become such an important part. In fact, I was at a craft beer brewery over in district six earlier in january i forget which one it was down in dundalk they have a big brewery there you might be familiar with it i just can't remember the name key, of it key brewing that's it that's the key, one key i just brewing. couldn't remember okay. the name. Yep. yes so um what do you think about all of that look the comptroller backed you and would you have voted to to strip his regulatory authority well, I guess I'll say this, you know, I, I'm, you know, I wasn't down in Annapolis, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, you know, people want to see our legislators work together to get things done. You know, all of this, you know, contention and stripping and all of that, you know, people, people are tired of that, you know, yeah. um, I, I'm an outsider, so I don't know the intricacies of, why one side feels the way they do. I just know that when I get to Annapolis, I want to work hard for the people of District 8 and and the people of Maryland and, you know, not get caught up in all of this uh, back and forth. And uh, I'm just not interested in that. Fair enough. Carl, what do you think will be some of the big ticket items? Should you be appointed by the committee 
and then you go to session in uh, 2020. What are you looking at down the barrel? What do you see um, from your position that would be a, some of the policy items that the General Assembly plans on tackling in the next session? Uh, I don't know. I, well, I know that um, I know there's been a lot of talk about the legalization of marijuana. Yeah, where do you stand on that? Well, I, well, I know that there's a commission that's looking at it uh, currently, and um, and I'm inter. I know Dele- I think Delegate Bromwell actually was a part of that. Um, so I'm interested in seeing um, what they come up with before I would uh, make a uh, determination on on how you know we should move forward with that. I do know in other states, though, um, you know, there was a lot of revenue that was generated um, from that. And so, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what the the committee uh, comes up with and how legalizing marijuana in Maryland would affect Maryland, uh, Maryland does, as well as uh, revenue. It's certainly an issue on the minds of many, considering that, other states have recently legalized recreational marijuana use, and D.C., who is our next-door neighbor, has also legalized recreational marijuana usage. They can't sell it, but they can grow it, and they can gift it, and I, you know, it's fascinating, Carl. I was online the other night looking about how, <laughs> about how they, they had this thing called Initiative 71 in D.C., where they basically sell marijuana. They can they can give marijuana away by selling it as uh, like you give a gift, like you buy like a a picture frame, and then with the picture frame, I'm just using this in inanimate object as an example. You buy like a picture or a picture frame, and then they give you an ounce of weed. And it's kind of funny how they do this, but it's a thriving business, and it's something that I think legislators are going to take a serious look at. Now, last session. One of the big, more social items that came before the General Assembly was the death with dignity, and I'm sure you followed that conversation. Yeah. What, what are, what do you think that has a possibility to reemerge in this session or maybe another session? And what are your thoughts on that issue? Well, um, I don't know if it will reemerge. Um, you know, my thoughts on that, I, I, I would like to learn, you know, a little bit more about it, but just from the outside looking in, I'm not sure that's something that I could support. Um, okay. But, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to, to listen to, to listening and learning about the process. I mean, I have some, some, some questions. I would have some questions about the process. Um, you know, like one of the things I, I would think is, you know, um, you know, it, you know, how does a person get to the point where they're, uh, you know, want to kind of end their own life? You know, is is the you know is the pain that unbearable? Mm-hmm. You know that they want to, you know, their life to end. I mean, I just. You know, I, you know, I, I would just have to learn a little more about it. Fair enough. And I always appreciate when I ask questions and 
it's okay. I always I always talk to people even offline. They and I if they don't commit to a policy position and they say they want to learn more. I wish there was more of that in our country where someone says, you know, look, I haven't made up my mind quite yet, but I want to have all the facts at my disposal before right, I can make a right. decision. But I want to I listen to all sides. And it sounds like you're yes. someone that especially as a state delegate, you have to listen to all sides and you before do. you make up, yeah, before you make your decision. On, and, that's, um, and, that's, and, that's, and that's very important. I mean, I just don't know enough about the issue to say one way or the other, you know, and, but I would like to learn more if it was to come back up. Um, and, and, you know, if I'm fortunate to be the next state delegate, you know, I will listen, I will listen to all sides before I come down or make a vote on any piece of legislation. I think that's important, you know. Carl, and I, I will always be upfront about, uh, you know, after learning uh, the information and, and the facts uh, about how, you know, whether or not I can support the legislation or not. That's fair. And Carl, I, I I presume the Central Committee will ask you, do you do you intend to run again, and how you would go about raising money, sort of the the backdrop of every campaign. So if you're appointed, would you would you decide to to run again and then begin that grueling process that I know that every official elected official hates raising money, but you gotta do it. It's just unfortunately part of the game. Yeah, well I would I would plan to run again. Um, I planned on running again to come 570 votes short and not give it another go um, was just not an option for me. Um, but in terms of fundraising, uh, just like I did uh, when I ran in 2018, I started off with zero dollars. And what I did three days a week, I made phone calls, uh, which, which is what they called cold calls uh, to people in my district and, you know, and others and you know just you know made my case why i why i thought i would be uh worth investing in um mm-hmm. in contributing to um in in my uh pursuit to be uh, a state delegate and so i would do the same you know uh making phone calls um you know if i'm fortunate to be delegate i would have a record to to be able to um to speak um so, you know, that's, you know, that's the only way, you know, you can really um, raise money in the state, you know, when you're running for a state office. I would like to see some kind of campaign finance reform, you know. Uh, I would have rather spent more time knocking on doors than, you know, making calls for money, but that's just the name of the game. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about in your piece – you t- um, in your Facebook post about opioid addiction, the epidemic yes. that's plaguing our communities. It's happening all over yes. Maryland. It's happening all yes. over the country, really. And, yes. you know, Carl, every time I, 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 was, I was born and raised in Hagerstown, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my family's still there. I, I read the local news there, and uh, I'm frightened every time I click on the obituary section because we see people – in their early twenties and losing the fight to this opioid addiction. It's not, it's no longer a, it's no longer a secret. It's no longer something that we have to be closeted about. 
it's an addiction. It's an epidemic. It's something that we have to be open and honest and have those knee-deep, gut-wrenching, serious conversations as elected officials around the country and communities, how we can stop this, how we can prevent this, and keep young kids from dying from this stuff. And the addiction is real. So tell me a little bit about your your idea. What what would you like to do to combat this uh, as a state official? Well, um, well, first, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud to, to say that our county executive really takes this uh, issue seriously, uh, and uh, I'm so glad that he appointed delegate, uh, not appointed, but Eric Bromwell applied for the position to be the opioid strategy coordinator in Baltimore County, the first. And so I'm, you know, I'm so glad that he takes this issue seriously, um, you know. One death is too many um, to opioids, and and not only in our county but in our state. And so I look at, I look forward to working with um, uh, our new opioid strategy coordinator, Ash Bromwell, and uh, you know, and and following his lead on what's needed from the state in terms of uh, funding and funds and things like that to ensure that we're saving lives. And so. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. You know, you know I I think it, I think we have to do more. We have to inc- we have to keep educating our public on the opioid epidemic. Um, <clears throat> we have to uh, invest in uh, treatment options. You know, making sure they're more readily available. Um, and, and we have to make sure you know Narcan is, is more accessible as well. Um, I mean, it's going to take an investment, you know, and so, you know, I hope that in the legislature, I can work with, um, you know, my potential colleagues and, and, and making sure that we're putting the right amount of funds uh, to go towards uh, this epidemic. Wow. Well, a, a good point and well taken and an issue that we can't stop talking about, an issue that has to be front and center. And, 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 and I, I just wanted to mention, you know, I could remember during the campaign, you know, knocking on doors. I've, I've talked to so many families who was affected by this opioid epidemic. Um, and it's, it's, it's very sad, you know, um, you know, a lot of uh, families are hurting, you know, over this, this, this issue. And so um, we, we, we need to take it seriously um, and, and make sure that we're providing um, all the resources um, that's needed to, to, to make sure that we can um, um, save all lives, you know, if, wow. if that's possible. Right on. I'm, I, I'm with you, and I, I can appreciate that position. Well, Carl, we're we're nearing at the end of our hour. So tell me, uh, when you're in front of the Central Committee and during your interview, what is it that you want to leave them with? What is that distinguishing character, that distinguishing characteristic about your platform, about you as a person, that you believe would be the best choice for District Eight? Well, that you know, I'm a listener. You know, I've knocked on over 20,000 doors in this district, all over this district. You know, I've built relationships with community associations, um, with business associations. Um, I'm a listener. 
you know, um, I believe in listening to all sides, all point of views, you know, and, and, and not only that, I think we're at a time in our country um, where we need our elected officials to do a little more. We need to inspire again. We need to bring people together again. We need to feel hope again. And, you know, as District 8 is becoming increasingly diverse, you know, if I'm fortunate to be the delegate, I want to bring people together that, you know, to say there's more that we have in common than that than don't, you know. Um, and so I, I, I think that's so important, especially as we get closer to the presidential election. You know, we need to bring people together. We need to inspire people. Um, I, I think people are lacking that. And so I think I would be in a perfect. I, I think I would be the perfect candidate to to take that charge to to um, hold that torch. Um, I want to see District Eight come together for the good of the you know for the good of the district. And um, and and I think that I could do that. Well, Carl Jackson, you have been a fantastic guest. I I sincerely appreciate you coming on and being transparent and open about your intentions and joining the podcast to talk about what you want to do for your community and what would happen should you be selected by the committee and appointed by the governor. I appreciate anybody who steps up to run. It's not easy. It's not easy to put your name out there and stand before your your community but that should be applauded so i appreciate your time i appreciate you coming on with me this evening and i wish you the very best of luck in this process moving forward thank you thank you so much ryan this was this was great this was my first interview so we'll always have a special bond (laughs) absolutely my friend and uh i'm gonna i want to get over to district eight soon and we'll have to catch up over uh uh, one of these nights and uh, talk more. I would love that. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight and uh, stay in touch. Sure thing. Take care. All right. See you, buddy. Okay. All right. Carl Jackson running for a district eight legislative vacancy is submitting his name to the Baltimore County Democratic Central Committee. And the process will be moving quickly. Delegate Eric Bromwell announced earlier this week that he will be joining Johnny Osheski's Baltimore County administration. He will be heading up an opioid uh, task force, I believe. And Carl Jackson, who ran and came in fourth in the general election, is now going to submit his name to the Baltimore County Democratic Central Committee to fill Bromwell seat once he resigns from the Maryland House of Delegates. And we talked to Carl tonight all about his policy ideas, what he might wish to accomplish should he be appointed, and what kind of state delegate he would be for his community. My name is Ryan Miner. You can listen to me on a Minor Detail podcast. Uh, you can find me on the web at a minordetail.com and a Minor Detail podcast. Dot com. This interview, which was slightly interrupted by a thunderstorm, my apologies for that, can't control Mother Nature, will be available on my website on a Minor Detail podcast. And you can listen to us on iTunes, you can listen to us on CastBox, and 
virtually anywhere you find or download podcasts. And look, hey, a minor detail podcast, just to, I hate boasting a little bit, but we've become one of the premier podcasts in Maryland where we can sit down and do long form discussions and interviews all about Maryland politics with some of our leading state officials. And again, I appreciate having Carl Jackson on. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast, and I am the editor-in-chief, founder, and chief reporter at aminordetail.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a great rest of your week. You can subscribe to a Minor Detail podcast on iTunes, CastBox, Overcast, or any application where you listen to podcasts. Like a Minor Detail podcast on Facebook, and follow the conversation on Twitter at AMD Podcast. If you or someone you know is interested in sponsoring a Minor Detail podcast, please reach out to me at ryan at a minor detail.com. Thanks so much for listening.